All right, Eagles fans, we're coming off once again. Another loss, this time at the hands of our old friend Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Congratulations to Coach Reid on his 100th career win as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course it comes against the Eagles because there's nothing more poetic than that when it comes to Andy Reid. Now it's on to Carolina as we uh, take on the Carolina Panthers for the first time since 2018 and rejoining us on Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. Our good friend Eric Summers, who covers the Panthers for Cat Scratch Reader, SB Nation's Panthers blog. Eric, welcome back to the show. Good to have you back, and it's been way too long since the Eagles and Panthers have uh, duked it out on the gridiron. I know, and we were we were talking earlier about how different the two teams are since the last time we saw one another. It's uh, totally new looks for both franchises, new quarterbacks, the works. Yeah, and I mean, let's dive right into it. I think since the last time uh, these two teams played, you know, what is the vibe around Matt Rule been as the head coach of this Panthers team? He's really kind of put his mark all across the roster, whether it's bringing in former Temple guys, going full-blown on the defense in the draft, what has been the uh, the fan analysis and just everybody who covers this team's analysis of Matt Rule's tenure so far down in Carolina? Well, I would say it's been hopeful. Um, and it's really gotten even more so this year because when uh, when we fired Ron Rivera, we all looked at the roster and we we're thinking, okay, this is a minimum two-year rebuild. Uh, we won't be competitive probably for a couple more seasons. We had a brief stint of being competitive last year, but ultimately injuries kind of sunk us, and we just it was just too young a team. Uh, but it's been really nice to see in year two that our draft from last year, a lot of those guys have developed really well. And I think the big change is acquiring our new general manager, Scott Fitterer from Seattle. Uh, he has just, he's brought something to our organization that we've never had. We've never been a organization that knew how to work the draft. And what he did in the draft, moving around so much, ending up with 11 picks, and then still able to acquire future capital at minimal loss, it's it's just something we've not seen, and we we're really pleased to see that. And he's, as we've seen today, just as recently as today, willing to move capital to trade for guys with high upside. So I would say right now, hopeful. It's something we haven't seen in Carolina as far as what we'd say a competency standpoint. Uh, so we think things are going well, and we're excited. Yeah, and let's dive into the move that happened today as we record this on Wednesday. Obviously, he won't be on the field on Sunday for the Panthers, but – to go and get Mr. Gillylock himself, Stefan Gilmore, to add to this defense that is, I think, very criminally underrated uh, from just a talent perspective. There's a lot of guys on this defense that don't get nearly enough talk about how good they actually are. Um, but to add Stefan Gilmore to the mix here, obviously coming off an injury, uh, kind of a, a back-and-forth battle with the contract dispute in New England, he ends up getting traded to the Panthers today for a six-round pick. I mean, I think 31 other NFL teams would be over the moon if they could acquire Stefan Gilmore, which at base level, like we said before we started recording this episode, like if he's a 10 game rental, fantastic for a six round pick. That's highway robbery for any team. And to add him to a, a Panthers defense that the emphasis seems to have been on defense over the past couple of off seasons, whether it's the draft free agency, I think this is an absolute steal for the Panthers. Couldn't agree more. Uh, this is one of those things where it's right, right guy, right situation. You know, he's from Rock Hill, South Carolina. He went to University of South Carolina. 
Uh, in fact, there's plenty of people saying that he would only accept a trade to the Panthers because he wanted to go back home. Uh, so this is just a really good situation. We've got lots of other South Carolina Gamecocks on the roster. Uh, he's going to get to be with a young corner group that he can really help to educate. Uh, Dante Jackson's kind of the senior member right now, and he's still playing on a rookie contract. So you've got Dante Jackson. You, of course, got J.C. Horn, uh, the next great South Carolina Gamecock corner. He's hurt, but he'll still be able to learn from Stephon for sure. Uh, then you've also got our acquisition last week of C.J. Henderson, you know, number eight, I think number eight overall pick in last year's draft. Uh, who we were bring, able to bring him on for a third-round pick. So there's a lot to look good. There, I mean, the corner, you know, if we were healthy all the way across the board, uh, our starting linebacker corner is Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn, Stefan Gilmore, C.J. Henderson, and A.J. Bouye. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. Uh, I hope it happens one day. Maybe Stefan will stick around next season and we'll see it, but – uh, yeah, I really love what they've done. The emphasis on the defense has been crucial to how good a pass rush we've had. Yeah, and I mean, one guy that you guys brought in in free agency is uh, the pride of Camden, New Jersey, Temple's own Hassan Reddick. Uh, I was very jealous when the Cardinals mm -hmm. drafted Hassan Reddick in his own backyard in Philadelphia, and then he ends up going and linking back up with Matt Rule. How has that uh, signing panned out so far, and how has uh, – the Carolina faithful embraced our boy Hassan Reddick? Well, I would say if we embraced him any harder, we'd probably break some ribs. Uh, he <laughs> has been like him plus Brian Burns has been absolutely phenomenal. We didn't really see it last week against Dallas. You know, you're talking about one of the best offensive lines in the league. Plus, you're, we just lost J.C. Horn and didn't really have a plan for how we were going to structure our defense around that. But I think that's why there's been this emphasis since – Horn went down to try to find another number one corner that we could get to fill in because last week against Dallas, we just simply didn't look the same as we had the first three weeks. We weren't giving the same looks up front, uh, these wide nine sets that were allowing guys like Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns to get into the backfield basically instantly. Uh, so I think they're hoping to do what we were able to do the first three weeks once Gilmore's healthy. Uh, they might try it this week. I'm not sure. Uh, C.J. Henderson will have another week in the playbook, so we'll see what he's able to do. But uh, they're trying to essentially create these multiple fronts where you're just not quite sure which of the six or seven guys at the line of scrimmage are coming, and they're usually sending five, and you just don't know because the linebackers don't drop out into coverage until right after the snap, but the offensive line has to try to provide for that protection ahead of time. So uh, Hassan Reddick has been great. I think he has five sacks for us already this year. Uh Great, great guy. Absolutely awesome acquisition. He's going to be expensive next year because I'm sure we're going to try to re-sign him, but I'm glad he's on our side, basically. And Matt Rule loves bringing in his Temple boys. Oh, he does. <laughs> to a fault sometimes. We've got some guys on the roster right now that are not playing so well, but he, he used them at Temple, so they are there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think just an overall thing, too, before we move on to the biggest acquisition of the offseason, going back to Stefan Gilmore, to see the reports today when, you know, all the rumors were swirling around where it was, you know, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to be involved. Maybe the Green Bay Packers were going to be involved. Uh, you know, some of these big market teams or, you know, in the news type of teams were, were vying for his services. What does that say about this Panthers team and their trajectory, knowing that they were able to get, Stefan Gilmore to come to them over the defending Super Bowl champs 
over, you know, a Kansas City Chiefs team, over a Packers team that's trying to go and win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. I think that speaks volumes as well. Even taking out of the equation, like going home and everything, saying, yeah, I want to go play for the Panthers. I think it, it speaks a lot to the amount of youth on this team and where guys who are veterans can say, hey, not only can I go make an impact on the field there, I can make a lasting impact on some of these younger guys. Because like I said to you earlier, before Gilmore enters, the average age of our corner is somewhere between 23, 24. They're all on rookie contracts outside of A.J. Bouye, who is also kind of a long-term veteran rental. Uh, but he he knows that he's got these type of guys. He looks at our defense. He sees an emphasis on defense coming from Phil Snow and Matt Rule. And if you're a defensive guy, if you're a playmaker, that's what you want to see. You want to see a team that's dedicated to winning a game through strong defense and has more of a complementary offense, which is kind of where we're at right now. Darnold has been playing great for us, but it's still very much a the offense complements what we do on defense, just taking advantage of the situations that were given, the short fields that were given. Uh, so I think if you're a defensive guy, even if you're a star, even if you're a guy looking to maybe go somewhere where you can win a Super Bowl soon, you're looking at Carolina and saying they have all this young talent on rookie contracts. This core is going to be together a while. It could get exciting. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. One hundred percent. And, you know, you bring up Darnold. Uh, I don't know if you guys have started calling him this or not, but I'll give this one to you for free to use for the cat scratch reader. I mean, he's Cam Darnold right now. Yep. Oh, he's, yeah. We're, he's Cam Darnold. He's leading the mm -hmm. league in rushing touchdowns. Where was this one with the Jets? And two, how does this, you know, just continue to, uh, you know, deface and demoralize the name of Adam Gase? Because Sam Darnold looks like a man reborn in this Carolina offense. He doesn't have to do too much but he looks perfectly comfortable in this Panthers offense. He's running for touchdowns, which we never saw from Sam Darnold during his time with the Jets. What has what has gotten into Sam Darnold, in your opinion, and how fun has it been to have him as the quarterback this year after kind of being in a quarterback limbo since, you know, prime days of Cam Newton? It's like a new lease on life for Sam Darnold. And like you said, Adam Gase, he'll he'll never work in football again, man. I think he, uh, at this point, even high schools are saying no. Um, it's uh, just watching what Darnold has been able to accomplish in these first four games. And we don't have a great offensive line. We have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Maybe it's a little bit better than the Jets currently because of their injury situation. But that says something about the comfort that he feels 
by having good targets around him, by having guys like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey when healthy. He always feels like he has a way out of any play, and you can see that in the, in the way he's looking downfield for a guy like DJ. But uh, I think it's just it was never right for him in, in New York. Uh, they never made him feel like he was truly the guy, and they certainly didn't surround him with the pieces that he needed to feel like he was the guy. Uh, so he has something to prove, and he's come to a team that's young and hungry and willing to put the pieces around him to succeed. All we need is, I'd say, one successful draft where we can finally find a left tackle that's worth a damn, and uh, he's going to be in heaven. It's going to be great. He's just truly – this running ability has been a huge surprise. But if you look at him, he's not hes not unathletic. It's almost like they suppressed it on purpose. Uh, whenever he takes off to run, he's made good decisions about it. He's always gotten down except for one time uh, when he took a little bit of a big hit near the end zone. But uh, he's got some talent there that was just not utilized in New York, and I think that's just the truth about Darnold in general, underutilized. What was kind of the, the reception of Darnold coming to Carolina? Because I saw, like – you know, mixed feelings about it. A lot of people were all in like, oh, this is great. This is going to give him, you know, the opportunity, like you said, a new lease on life, a new chance at a second shot in the NFL. And other people were skeptical, obviously, because of the body of work with the Jets. What was your feeling personally when when you found out Darnold was going to be the quarterback? And was that kind of the vibe? It was like that 50-50 feel? Yeah, I would say it was 50-50. I, I was never down on him at all. I thought for the price tag, which essentially – after all the moves we made in the draft, only ended up being a second-round pick. Uh, you have to take that risk in the NFL these days when you've got somebody with that level of arm talent who's only 23 years old, still has two years on his rookie deal that you get without any guaranteed money. Um, it would be crazy not for us to take that chance just to say, hey, maybe it has been New York all along. And I think as an NFL fan base, now that Cleveland has their shit together, sorry. Um, oh, no, we, you can let it slip. Now that Cleveland has their shit together, the the New York Jets are now the laughing stock of the NFL, and they just haven't proven to be anything different in a long time. Uh, so you see the dysfunction of that organization, and you think, gosh, how many other people sitting in Jets land right now aren't reaching their potential just because of the way the org has run itself over the past decade, I would say. Again, ironically, it's both teams in New York that technically play in New Jersey that are the laughing stock of the NFL. Yep. Um, you bring up the offensive line, and like from an outside perspective looking in that doesn't get a chance to watch a lot of Carolina Panthers football, you you see what Sam Darnold's doing on you know the red zone and the, the highlight reels. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is a world beater never seen before like what he's doing is just ridiculous uh and even you know somebody like Chubba Hubbard is out there you know proving that he can run behind this offensive line what does that say to just this this unit of of the guys up front and I know you like the big boys up front too mm -hmm. what does it say to just them being able to kind of come together knowing they're you know not the greatest in the NFL but they're able to create opportunities for Sam Darnold for Christian McCaffrey and for, you know, these playmakers on the offense to just get a little bit going and let them do what they do when that open space is in front of them. I think what it says about them is that they know, I mean, they, they read what everybody says on a weekly basis right now, 
the major line amongst Carolina Panthers fans is that the offensive line is holding us back. And I hate that we're in the world right now where I'm sure all these players, they get on Twitter, they see it, they see the Panthers winning, but yet everybody is tearing into the offensive line. Um, I have sympathy for those guys because I was an offensive lineman. I know that the only time you get seen is when you screw up, unless you, the only other time you get seen is when you make some crucial block on a DB downfield where the DB just folds into five pieces. Yeah, if your name's Jason Kelsey. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> much it. That, that's all you ever get. Um, the truth is the right side of the line is strong. The left side is weak. Uh, we we made a very questionable decision to acquire Cam Irving in the offseason. I think it's just one of those things where it's tough to find a left tackle. They don't come available very often because if a team has a good one, they're going to pay him whatever it takes to keep him. Uh, they're one of the most crucial positions in football. So you end up signing these mid-level free agents and hoping that they end up playing a little better than they did where they were. Um, in this case, you sign a guy, Cam Irving, coming from Dallas with a great offensive line, and you're like, well, he wasn't that great in Dallas where they apparently have one of the best lines in the NFL. How is he going to work out here? And so far, he really hasn't worked out here. Um, our long-term bet is on a guy named Brady Christensen. We took him in the third round of the draft. We don't, we're not sure if he can play tackle yet. There are some concerns from some people, not me. I think let – me, let me tell you, I think the arm length argument is the most ridiculous thing in the world, uh, even more so than if he's left or right-handed. But uh, he does have shorter arms, so people are worried about his ability to play tackle in the NFL. I think he has the athleticism to do it, but you don't usually see rookie left tackles work out. Um, it's very rare. We really haven't seen a great one since Joe Thomas. Uh, it's There's just too much of a speed up between the college to the pro game. So I think the offensive line is working as hard as they can. They know that they've given up too much pressure. They're going to do what they can as far as what's in the room now. It's just very hard to build an offensive line midseason. Do you and Panthers fans feel like you were robbed too soon of the Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold connection? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that we got CJ Henderson. I, I'm, to I'm totally in favor of that trade. Uh, third round pick and Dan Arnold sounds really good to me for a guy who was a first round pick last year. Um, that said, yes, the, the Darnold to Darnold com combination, just that I hate it. It lived way too short. I don't even think we got a uh, touchdown out of it. So we never got the the big Darnold to Darnold touchdown yeah, moment. Which we, we would need Gus Johnson to call that one because that yeah, would yeah, have been yeah. absolutely electric. Well, I, I hear I hear our GM's really big on trades, and I hear you guys have two tight ends that you can't make a decision between. If you want us to just take one off your hands, we'd be happy to do that for you. You are the second Panthers fan, so one of my really good friends, uh, big fantasy football guy, big Panthers fan as well, oddly enough, from where I'm from in New Jersey. Um, he tweeted the other day, and I bookmarked it just to save it for after the trade deadline, and said it's going to be really weird when Zach Ertz is a, a Carolina Panther in a couple weeks. And yeah. quite frankly, I don't think that we're going to trade either of them. It, I, I feel like with Zach Ertz and that whole saga – it, it played itself out. I think he's going to – I've said on the record I think he's going to retire an Eagle. I, I think if 
they were going to move on from him, it would have been this offseason just because of everything that went down last year. Obviously, his friendship with Carson Wentz and everything. And then just the the whole offseason saga. He then goes and dyes his hair blonde, goes full-blown Backstreet Boys. But I think if if they were going to move on from Zach Ertz, I think it would have been done at the draft during the offseason that before June 1st, after June 1st kind of, you know, designation. Um, but now that he's here and like this past week against the Chiefs was the first time we've seen a Nick Sirianni offense utilize the tight ends in a proper way. Mm-hmm. I think both guys are going to stick around. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. We're interested if that ends up to not be the case, I'm sure, because uh, Fitterer apparently will give away, he will make trades like a madman. So, Which Howie uh, Roseman is also notorious for. So it also wouldn't surprise me if some sort of trade happens. But I will say if a trade does happen for one of the tight ends, it'll be Goddard, not Ertz. Interesting. Okay. Because we, there's I mean, kind of similar of- rumors, too, with Goddard trying to negotiate a new contract, couldn't come to an agreement stalled we're not going to talk about it during the season blah 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 i think they move on from goddard before they move on from Ertz. yeah and i think the the panthers have a decent long-term situation at tight end i don't think ian thomas is going to end up being anything special he he seems to be a fine blocker he hasn't really developed that well as a receiver but he was a fourth round pick several years ago you don't that's 50 50 if he ends up being an every down contributor then you can't really argue with that Uh, but we're really excited about tommy tremble right now what a name oh god that's all name yeah top tier football name especially if you're a guy who has embraced it like him he is a terror for blocking people as hard as he possibly can we'll we'll use the word blocking in this case it borders on uh it borders on assault Uh, (laughs) he hasn't quite done it in the nfl yet just because now he's against guys just as big as he is uh but in college at notre dame he did some we saw a highlight reel. How many tight ends have a highlight reel for their blocking? That's and, a great uh, point. Yeah, and he uh, he's caught a couple big passes for us lately. So as a rookie, we're, you've got to be happy with where he is, and we'll see where he goes. But, uh, yeah, that's that's one of our weaknesses right now, I'd say, is tight end currently. Maybe not tight end for the future, but tight end currently. Was it a surprise this offseason, too, when – Curtis Samuel left in free agency, ends up going back with Ron Rivera, kind of left that that gadget third wide receiver position open. Uh, and now the hype uh, from what I've seen from a couple Panthers fans is all around one Terrence Marshall Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeming to fit into that that third wide receiver role behind DJ Moore and Temple's finest, Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um it wasn't a surprise. We knew that we couldn't afford to pay him. Uh, it was one of those we needed to allocate money somewhere else. We'd absolutely love to keep him, but it makes sense that he ends up with Ron Rivera and kind of ends up buying for that number one, number two 
wide receiver position, jack of all trades, somebody who can do it all. He's fast. He's exciting. Uh, we wish him well. He definitely he played great for us here. Uh, it's one of those the NFL structures it so you can't keep everybody. We'd have loved to have kept him, but we have a lot of weapons now. We have Robbie Anderson. We have DJ Moore, who is making a case for you know top five wide receiver status this year, and we also have the young kid Terrace Marshall Jr., who everybody said in the draft, how is this kid still here in the second round? And he's made some catches. He's, there's just so many mouths to feed. Then you've got you've got Christian McCaffrey, obviously, who wants his touches. So he's the third wide receiver, but I can see his role in the offense growing every week. Uh, they tried, they clearly tried to get him very involved this past week. Uh, just Arnold, Darnold. See, now you got me doing it, Darnold. <laughs> hey, uh, Darnold was under siege, so he couldn't really quite get to his third option. Uh, but Terrace is going to be a good player for us. Uh, but you'd love to have everybody, right? We'd all love to build our dream team. And, uh, you know, speaking of dream teams, and we just talked about the tight ends a little bit, uh, I think a, an all-time Panthers legend uh, is going to be in the booth this weekend with Greg Olson uh, now transitioning to, you know, the media world and everything. One, what was it like having, you know, for what felt like forever? Because you, you barely remember Greg Olson's time in Chicago. You just mm -hmm. always remember him as a Carolina Panther. Having one of the best tight ends to ever do it on your team for so long and him being so good for such a, a long period of time. And um, how cool is it going to be to have him in the booth calling this Panthers game this weekend? Well, he actually got to call our game last week. He was calling the game between uh, Dallas, Dallas and us. But it will be cool. I thought he did a great job. Like he, I think he's great he's a natural analyst like he fits in the booth just perfect he maybe has to work a little bit on kind of his like filler conversation but it, it doesn't surprise me that his broadcast career is taking off at all um having him on our team i remember when that trade happened i remember being so excited about it to this day it's still the best trade that marty herney ever pulled off third round pick for greg olson i think we'd all take that um and he ended up having you know he he was the first receiver to ever have three 1,000-yard receiving seasons in a row, uh, which now Kelsey has broken, but Kelsey's probably the next great tight end to eventually be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Olsen, he's just one of those guys beyond his play. Uh, you want a guy like him on every team because he has the right attitude. Every single time somebody asks him a question, he's honest, but he's never hurtful. You know, uh, It's all about the team. It always has been with him. He's still lives in this area he's a really big part of what happens charitably in the charlotte area uh he's had a lot of struggles with uh, one of his kids has a very rare uh, heart condition so he's been a really big part of the medical community and medical donation community here in charlotte so uh i can't say enough i can't say anything bad about him and i can say good stuff about him all the time but yeah it, it's we were lucky to have a legend like him playing carolina for sure yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like he's like when you think of like just overall good dudes that have played in the NFL, first ballot unanimous on that on that list of guys. Um, and he's great in the booth. Like he called, I think the Eagles' first game of the season against the Falcons. He was fantastic, and he's just like you can relate to him because he makes things so like personable. He makes things seem like you're just sitting in the booth with him, and it's not this you know hardcore X's and O's like 
making it difficult to listen to. He's very conversational, and I think he's just going to get better with more reps. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I really like Tony Romo. I think a lot of people that are hardcore into the X's and O's like Tony Romo. Uh, but it's hard for, I think, the average fan to listen to Tony Romo for a whole broadcast because every play he's talking about what the quarterback's doing. And that's fantastic. We all love quarterbacks. I personally never liked them because my job was to hit them or or protect them, both of which I was uh, disgruntled about. But uh, we don't always want to know about what the quarterback's doing, right? It'd be nice if we heard about, like Greg Olson gave a lot of good perspective last week on tight end assignments, wide receiver assignments, coverages, things like that, which Romo does a really good job with that too. But um, Greg does break it up. He's not so focused on the X's and O's that that's all you hear about. He's always got something else to put toward the conversation. And that's why I like a lot of these former players at different positions that are getting into the broadcast world. Like, I think Aqib Tlaib is fantastic in the booth, oh. especially with Gus Johnson. Like, that, that duo is great. <laughs> I, I will never Aqib, I, I will never like Aqib Tlaib, but even more so because Steve Smith gave Aqib Tlaib the best burn of all time with his Ice Up Son uh, comment, one of the greatest things I ever heard on a post-game interview. You know, Tlaib just got burned for two touchdowns, I think like 150 yards receiving by Smith, and, you know, tell Tlaib, Ice Up Son, Ice Up, and then just drops the mic and walks off. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That was all time. Steve Smith is a national treasure. Like we can't absolutely. Yeah, he's also fantastic in the media oh, yeah. world. Gosh, yeah, yeah. He he did go a little overboard. He was calling a preseason game for us, and man, and I can rail on a kicker too. But you should have seen, or you should have heard Steve Smith railing on our kicker in preseason. Joey Sly, dude. I mean, it was brutal. It was like. You know, Sly's about to lose his job because he missed another kick, and he ended up losing his job. And uh, Smith will not like every time Sly trots out there, even for extra points. Steve Smith's like, "Here comes another miss. He's going to shank it again." And I'm like, "Dude, this is you're you're in the Panthers broadcast, right? <laughs> Settle down." <laughs> that's <laughs> fantastic. That's, yeah, that's just who he is. That's just Steve Smith, baby. He, he's, uh, as we would say, he's our asshole. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a great way to put it. Um, we, we've talked so much about this game and I think it's like one of those things where you're just kind of waiting to see if it happens. Do you think Christian McCaffrey suits up this week? Well, he practiced today, even limited. Um, I say we'll get a better idea tomorrow. If he has another, if, if he's back in practice tomorrow, today could have easily just been an experimentation day. Uh, if he's full practice or even limited practice tomorrow, I bet he does play. Uh, I think if I think if he's not showing a significant hindrance, we're going to try to put him out there. And uh, especially, I think if we win against Dallas last week, we probably don't put any pressure on him to play if he's ninety percent. Uh, but since we lost to Dallas, I think there's this there's this feeling that we really need to show people that we're three and one. We definitely don't want to be three and two. We need our best guy out there if he can be out there. 
Uh, so I think if you see him practice tomorrow, I think he will be uh, on the field. What's the biggest concern for the Panthers heading into this game against an Eagles team that we've been saying it here, like they still don't seem like they have an identity yet with this new coaching staff. It's it's very like week to week figuring things out as they go. Um, the biggest thing that always comes to mind with me against any team, but I think it matches up well for this Panthers defense because they're so athletic is the speed that the offense presents uh, mm -hmm. for the Eagles with Jalen Hurts being a mobile quarterback with Devontae Smith and the speed receivers out there with Rager and Quez Watkins. Uh, and then obviously you have Miles Sanders, you have Kenneth Gainwell. What are, what are some concerns you have facing this Eagles team? Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like, 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 five minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. I would say the concern is the one that we talked about earlier, the two tight ends, um, especially we've, Shaq Thompson was limited in practice today. He's our, he's our star linebacker now that Keekley retired. Um, if he's not out there, he's an excellent coverage linebacker, and I would hate to find out what we're going to do to cover both Goddard and Ertz without at least him on the field. Um, we do have some bigger corners, but they're not, you know, you don't ideally want to put a corner on a tight end if you can help it. Um, I think that's where you guys can do the most damage offensively, and I think you can also do some damage with uh, Jalen's legs. Uh, we actually gave up a fair amount of rushing yards last week to Dak on quarterback scrambles, and part of that is our defensive ends. They, they do get upfield very quickly, and that's great if somebody's actually going to throw the ball, but sometimes it leaves a big void. We play a lot of man coverage. Guys' backs are to the quarterback. It leaves you a rushing lane. Uh, and, and, you know, even Dak not playing quite as much uh, scramble football as he did before, I think he still picked up 40 or 50 on us. Uh, so a guy like Jalen can really, really hurt us run the football. Uh, defensively, you do have a lot of speed. I think we can match that speed outside. But like I said, it's inside, up the seam. I think you can do a lot of damage up the seam with those tight ends. Uh, I think that's what I worry about the most. Which is interesting because we're coming off the first game where we've been able to actually utilize the tight end. So we'll see if that continues uh, with Nick Sirianni and this just ever-changing week-to-week trying-to-find-ourselves type of uh, 
approach that the Eagles have had to this season. Uh, you've been on the show before. We're adding a new element to Eagles enemies this year where I kind of, you know, use the roster, use the personality, use the city that uh, the Eagles are taking on and ask a very fun question. So obviously Carolina has some uh, some ties to the barbecue world. If you had to pick uh, a pit master from this Panthers team to, to serve up the best barbecue, who would it be and why? You can never, if you're talking about barbecue, if you don't pick an interior defensive lineman, you have lost your mind. Those boys eat. It's I've never seen it be wrong. I was a nose tackle. I'm a huge barbecue fan. Uh, Derek Brown. Derek Brown's the pit master, in my opinion. And the best, and the reason for that, Derek Brown's a great player, but he's not a big talker. Most pit masters, you know, they're used to sitting out back quietly, smelling their meat smoke, drinking a beer, not talking to too many people. That's Derek Brown. He is a quiet, you know, he, he gets in there. He does what he has to do every week. It may not pop out on the stat sheet, but if you watch him on film, he's making somebody much older than him in the NFL look silly. So uh, Derek Brown, he's our pit master. And I'll follow up. What's his uh, what's his meat of choice that he's thrown in that smoke? Well, here in North Carolina, it's all about the pork. Uh he came from Auburn, so I, they're kind of in the same vein. They're all about the pork down there as well. So, got to be whole hog pork barbecue. We love to see it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Derek Brown, if you want to cook up some barbecue for us, like, just give us a call. We'll we'll be there in a heartbeat. Uh, Eric, you're the absolute best. We love having you on when the Eagles play the Panthers. Let everybody know where they can follow you on social media. Check out all your stuff that you're doing for Cat Scratch Reader. Absolutely. So uh, on SB Nation at catscratchreader.com, uh, we, we cover everything from injuries to offseason, all that happens. And you can follow me personally at Tater596 on Twitter. That's at T-A-T-E-R 596 and at Cat Scratch Reader without the last E. So Cat Scratch Reader, no E before the final R. You're the best, man. This game is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, seeing how uh, these two teams match up against each other. ton of Philadelphia ties in this one with Matt Rule and his Temple boys. Uh, and it should be a, a very exciting game and another litmus test uh, for both of these teams. Oh, yeah. I think this game is going to be close. I think it's going to be exciting because, like you said, y'all have a lot of speed. We have a lot of speed. There's going to be some electric plays in this one. I think there's going to be some hard hits. It ought to make for a fun game to watch. And I'm sure we'll have some fun Twitter banter as we watch both of these teams want to, you know, make us pull our hair out when any yeah. stupid mistakes happen and any, uh, you know, Every things time that shouldn't be happening. Inflict some pain on Sam Darnold. I'll, I'll be ready. Trust me. <laughs> and whenever Sam Darnold's running into the end zone, I'm just gonna be like, there goes Sam that man Darnold, again. Baby. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. At least the C. <laughs> He's bizarro. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's, it's, if you would have told me that he would be the first quarterback to ever rush for five touchdowns in the first four four weeks of the season, uh, I could have made a lot of money. I guess I should have put a dollar on that bet because <laughs> I could have probably made a hundred grand. <laughs> Absolutely insane, Eric! You're the best. It's Eagles Panthers on Sunday, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be we'll be chatting it up on Twitter. I'm sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles Enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me 
on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe, 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every Eagles matchup throughout the season. We hope you guys enjoy Season 4 of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week. Go Birds! We'll